G'day and welcome to part 8. Today I want to talk about the Christian disciple and false teaching. Paul writing in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 1 to 2. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times some will turn away from the faith, the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. Paul here is talking about false teachers and how they rise up within the church. So how does a Christian disciple discern false teaching? Well, firstly, the Christian disciple is fully aware of the false. 1 Timothy 4 verses 1 to 5. The hallmarks of false teachers are that they are used by Satan and his demons being seduced as spiritual slaves. False teachers are marked on their conscience as being owned by Satan. False teachers are hypocrites controlled by secret sins and pride and covetousness. 1 Timothy 4 verse 2 False teachers lead people away from the truth which is Jesus. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 And false teachers also deny God's word. And how is a Christian disciple to be trained in the truth? True teachers are used by God and are slaves to the Holy Spirit. True teachers are marked as being owned by God. True teachers are totally controlled by the Holy Spirit. They are walking and living within the Spirit. And true teachers are devoted to both the reading and the teaching of Scripture. 1 Timothy 4 verse 6 And true godliness gives itself every effort to achieve the goal. It casts off burdens and sets itself a goal of total self-dedication to Jesus. Then thirdly, the Christian disciple is diligent with the truth. 1 Timothy 4 verse 10 to 16 True teachers stick to the task given. They're not wishy-washy. True teachers are models of godliness. True teachers give wise counsel and practice wisdom. And then fourthly, there are areas in which the Christian disciple is to show godliness in their outward conduct, the purity of speech when conversing with people, the purity of conduct when dealing with different people's customs and habits. And then there is their inward manner, a purity in love, a deep personal attachment to friends, and showing genuine concern for all people, even enemies. Then there's purity in faith, exercising the gift of God, which is the root from which all love springs. Then there's purity in the moral law, total and complete conformity in thought and act with the moral law of God. And the best way to do these things is by getting to know the truth, for by knowing what the Bible actually says, Will any false teaching be easily recognisable? But how do we get to know the truths of Scripture? God has spoken and he has communicated his word to us. Firstly, by revelation when God spoke to the writers. Secondly, through inspiration as the writers were divinely guided by God in the process of writing his message. However, in order to understand God's revealed and inspired message, illumination is required. This is where God causes the Bible to be understood by both the heart and the mind of the person. The Holy Spirit was promised by Jesus 
to illuminate the Bible to the hearts and minds of all people willing to listen, both Christian and non-Christian, John 14. And how does the Holy Spirit illuminate the Bible to us? Firstly, pray that the Holy Spirit will help you as you read. That is part of his role in the life of a believer. He will use the Bible to enlighten and illuminate the mind, heart and will of all those willing to be obedient. Secondly, as Christians, we believe that the Bible is inerrant and that it is totally trustworthy. It does not contain errors or mistakes in its original form, that is in the original manuscripts and in the original languages of Hebrew, Aramaic and Greek. We maintain the Bible as our final authority over all things. Thirdly, no part of the Bible will explicitly contradict another part. It is a balanced and unified message from a God who does not change. God is not a God of confusion, but a God of order. By reading it regularly, you will be amazed how it holds together. And fourthly, we are to keep what we are reading in context, not only in its immediate context, but also in context with the rest of the Bible. Take, for example, Psalm 14, verse 1, where the Bible says there is no God. What Psalm 14, verse 1 actually says is that the fool in his heart has said there is no God. It is also out of context with the rest of the Bible where God is said to exist, such as Genesis chapter 1. You can make the Bible say whatever you want to say by merely taking sections out of context and thus creating pretexts like that. Ask yourself questions about the passage. How, who, when, where, why and what? When you hear someone speaking from the Bible, don't just accept what they say, but question it in your own mind or with others who are with you. And fifthly, use a Bible you can read easily. There are many translations available to suit the taste of anybody. Also use a Bible reading plan, such as that devised by Robert Murray McChain. If followed, it would take you through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice per year. And lastly, expect to be changed when reading scripture with an obedient heart, an obedient mind and a compliant will. The Bible is God's living word because it is active, it is not passive and God will not cease changing you into the image of his Son. God does not abandon us, but when we are being recalcitrant, we abandon him. One of the very key teachings from Scripture is that God can be known personally. People are not naturally born possessing this knowledge, even though they know of God's very existence. Knowing that God exists is not the same as actually knowing God personally. Personal knowledge of God is ultimately crucial, however, since knowing God personally and developing the relationship is what being a Christian disciple is all about. That is our goal. As Christians, we should be rejoicing that God earnestly desires us to attain this knowledge of Him in order to know Him more and more. For this reason, He has spoken to us in the Scriptures, revealing Himself and disclosed how we may know Him more. And whilst God can be known, our knowledge of God is only partial, and we will never know everything there is to be known about Him. Knowledge of Him is both wondrous and without end. As we grow spiritually, knowing the Bible, and thus knowing Him more, we will grow in spiritual maturity. The Apostle Peter commands that we grow in the knowledge of Jesus. We do this as part of our spiritual journey, in order to become more like Jesus Christ. One of the Christian life's greatest delights is developing an intimate knowledge of God and of developing an intimacy with Him. The Gospel 
or the news of Jesus we share to others is entitled the power of God to salvation the Bible and its gospel whereby people come to know God is found in that in the gospel is the agent of new birth it is the soap or the cleansing agent whereby God gives the believing sinner a spiritual bath resulting in salvation and the Bible is a teacher that brings wisdom which leads to salvation for more to think about please do read Matthew 7 verse 15 to 23 ask yourself the following questions writing them down if you can and see how you respond or react to them then why not share your answers with your spouse or a close friend so that you can pray over any issues together question 1 how can I discern what I am being taught from the scriptures question 2 what fruit am I showing as I both teach and receive teaching when was the last time I disagreed with a Bible teacher as ever if you have any comments to make please do contact me at partake at hotmail.co.uk thank you and God bless you